Welcome to the Write Your Novel with David Allen Patali podcast, a place for real talk about what it takes to create a book. My name's David Allen Patali, and I'm going to give you a no-bullshit run-through of the tips, techniques, and insights that have shaped my writing practice and helped me create a novel I'm truly happy with. We write because it's hard, because we have to, because we need to, but you don't have to suffer needlessly for your art. With the right strategies, mindset, and community, you can get it done and enjoy the process. So let me take you on a ride where writing myths get exploded, excuses get torched, and the path gets lit just a bit brighter. For the past couple of weeks now, I've been getting up pretty early in the morning, 5 o'clock, 5.30, well before the sun comes up, and whilst it's still very, very, very cold here in Perth during winter, to get up and finish an edit of my work in progress, which has been very tough to do because, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's dark and cold and I definitely don't want to be getting out of bed, but I make myself get out of bed. So I set a couple of alarms and I put them on my mobile on the floor. So I actually literally have to get out of bed to turn the bloody thing off. And I've got my clothes all laid out, ready to go, even to the point where um, the tags are facing me so that I can just, I can just slip them on in the dark um, without having to turn anything around. So um, it's, it, it's kind of like a fire, a firefighter, you know, sticking all their, all their clothes on um, while the bell's ringing. Although, you know, there's no danger. I'm just going off to, to write. Uh, <laughs> And then I go out to the kitchen and I've got the tea bag and then in the in the cup already and I've got exactly the right amount of water in the kettle ready to go so I'm not boiling the kettle for any longer than I have to which has the potential risk of waking the kids up because that could scupper all of those finely tuned writing plans and I make my way very quietly to the study where I turn on the computer which has already been pre-muted the night before so it, again so it doesn't scupper the writing plans by waking any children up. And then I have at least an hour and a half of complete quiet and alone time where I can get my work done. And the difference that this makes to my day is so profound and so complete that it's like the good advice that you know you should take, uh, but you often don't. And it, and it, uh, it riles you up no end to, to know that actually it's the only solution to the problem, which is how do I make time and space to write? How do I actually get my work done? You have to get up early and do it. You have to, or, or stay up late and do it. You have to carve out and make some sort of sacrifice in order to, to get the work done. And I'm really pleased to say that uh, this isn't just me tooting my own horn. It's bloody difficult to do. And, and the moment I don't have to do it, the moment I've finished this piece of work I'm going to be doing, I'll probably just go back to sleeping in a bit um, until I find the next project to tackle. Um, but I've been able to pass on uh, at least um, some some inspiration, I would hope, to some people who are in my writing course. I've been told um, by a few of them that, that they're getting up early to, to writing. One in particular is getting up at 5.30. Um, they made a huge progress on their work in progress and they're keeping up that momentum. They've even mapped out a whole thing on their calendar to keep going. And so I'm really happy about that because so often we can get stuck when we're writing in, in a kind of, in a rut where we have all the ideas, we know what we want to do, but actually doing the work escapes us because life happens. 
it happens to everybody. You know, uh, you've got work to do, you've got kids to raise, you've got bills to pay, you've got all kinds of things to do that will tax your time. And it's like, I go to the gym, but um, sometimes I'm really good at it and sometimes I'm really bad at it. But the common thread for me, I'm always trying to lose that five kilos, is that I should just eat better. I should stop drinking so much red wine, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> and lo and behold, what happens when I tighten up my eating habits and cut back on the booze? That five kilos disappears. And lo and behold, what happens when I start indulging a bit more? That five kilos reappears. The best advice is very, very hard to take. But when you can find yourself in the moment doing that great advice and following where you know you should be going, um, it's really rewarding. So most writing advice is total bunk unless you actually sit down, sit your butt down in the chair and get to writing. So rising early before anybody can mess with your day, before anybody can put anything else in your way, I think is really one of the few solutions to this eternal problem that a lot of writers face. How do I make time and space to write? Where can I fit this in? You can shove it in in your lunch break, which I have often done. Uh, You can do it on the train to work, which I've often done as well. You can do it late at night when hopefully, you know, um, everything goes to plan, the kids go to bed, there's nothing to interrupt you, there's nothing on the TV that's going to distract you, you actually do it, but the price you pay for doing it late at night is you're knackered and you want to go to bed and you want some distraction. The price you pay for doing it first thing in the morning is you're knackered as well, you're tired. But I always say to myself, I'm tired and I don't really want to do this, but I'm going to be tired anyway. Even if I sleep until 7 o'clock, I'm still going to be tired. So I might as well get up and do this and be tired, but have that good glowing feeling inside me of having done my work for the day. And that can carry you through uh, pretty much anything. So I'm tired now. You can probably hear it in my voice, but I've done my work for the day. And I'm looking forward to, to tackling that again tomorrow. But the point of this, that I'm, the real point I wanted to make with talking about this particular subject, making time and space to write, is because... Uh, the reward of writing is not necessarily apparent. Uh, Why would we get up early in the morning to pursue something that we don't know is going to work out? Speaking very, very pointedly, if 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 we measure the success of any writing project, it's very easy to just say, if it's published, it's a success. If it's not published, it's not a success. It's kind of this weird binary thing that you can get into your mind as, a, as an aspiring or emerging writer. But that's not really the point, because publishing and writing are pretty distinct things in my experience. And the point that I, I'm always trying to pass on, it sounds kind of... Um, I'm trying not to make it sound condescending come, coming from someone who is a published writer, but... Um, you need to be doing your writing because not because necessarily like it's a passion project or you love it, but because the reward is doing the writing. The reward is following the process. The reward is the work. It's pursuing the goal of writing the best story that you possibly can. Because the thing is, when we focus on the summit of a mountain, it's so high you just get disheartened all the time and you can fall off that good habit of getting up every morning and pursuing the work or of staying up late, you know, making the time and space and the effort to do it. If you're constantly just focusing on some middle, you know, point in the middle distance or even the further distance, 
and it never really seems to get closer, it's really easy to get disheartened. So forget being published. Focus on the work and the work itself and making that the best thing that you can possibly do. A real breakthrough point for me um, in the writing of Locust Summer is I'd been rejected so many times and I'd written this thing over and again so many times that speaking to my, my writing mentor, Laurie, Laurie Steed, deep into this editing process, I just said, like, I am so afraid of this because I don't want to get my heart broken again. I don't want to sink so much work into something that could potentially just fail. And we chatted it through and I kind of realized, you know, I'm, I was focusing on the wrong goal. I was focusing on something that I couldn't even remotely control. Um, I can't control whether someone at a publishing house is going to say yes or no to this work. But what I can control is how, how well I can write this thing, how much I can work. So in a lot of ways, you are running a race with no finish line. You're running a race with no one there to blow a whistle or, or have a tape that you can breast across the line to. There's no reward other than simply running the race. And if that sounds really strange, well, most writing really is strange. If you just write for you and the satisfaction that that brings, then I think you're in a really good groove there and you can sustain a long-term writing practice on that alone. The challenge I'm facing right now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a second book and that's the whole second book syndrome, which everybody talks about, you know, like the, the pressure's on and that you have to write something that theoretically is going to be published again. I don't have a book deal with anybody. So I'm writing, I'm back, basically back to square one. Square one with a track record. and Square one with a bit of expectation, I suppose. But in the end, I'm going to be judged on the quality of this work and it's going to be placed or not placed. And if I concentrate on that too much, I get really scared. And if I concentrate on that too much, I get discouraged. I'm looking at the mountaintop and not my feet. But what keeps me getting up every morning at 5.30 is the desire to make this as good as I can. That's not even grammatically correct, but it's to make this work work. To make this thing click to make all the pieces come together after such a long writing process. And who knows where this thing's going to go? Who knows what uh, what process this is going to bring? Maybe this book won't get picked up. Maybe the next one will. But I had to write this one in order to, to get the next one. We don't know how things are going to work out. And it's only when things have happened we can look back and see the points and see the narrative emerging about about where we came from. That's why writing is such a strange space. It's such a strange uh, space and it's so distinctly different from every other work that you may do. You know, when you do your regular work, you might be part of a project. You might be part of a public, you know, you're, you're publishing something. You're putting together a machine. You're doing this. You have these, these clear steps and a clear goal and a payoff. And then you're judged by whether that goal is met and whether that payoff was worth it. With writing, God knows. It's totally open. The only judgment that we can have in our day-to-day lives as writers, not it's not about am I happy doing this, it's am I doing the work to the best of my abilities? Am I bringing the right attitude to the page? Am I trying as hard as I can? Some days are good, some days are bad, but overall, you know, am I bringing it? And that's, that's the main thing that I, that I would really just encourage anybody listening to this who's struggling as I do, with that daily sense of motivation. How do you keep showing up to do the work when there is no reward, when there is no encouragement even? 
uh, given by the work itself. You've just got to keep going. You've just got to keep trying. And your desire needs to be to make this the best possible story that you can. And that's an entirely subjective thing. And uh, look, you might be wrong. You might be right. You might need some help. You might need to go through a huge process to get this thing, but you've just got to follow the process. And I don't mean for this to sound discouraging because following this process is one of the most rewarding things that I know. Having faith in something that is completely intangible is one of the most rewarding things. Because ultimately we all believe in our stories, don't we? We all believe in our abilities and we all believe in where we're going with it. And I think that's really beautiful. It's a really beautiful part of this writing journey that that we're all on. I always say to people about their characters, you've got to believe your own make-believe. But I think as well, when you're writing your story, you need to believe your own make-believe. That this is this is a good thing that you're doing and it's a worthy thing. And it doesn't matter how it works out. What matters is that you do it. You know, um, as they say, we're only welcome. We're not welcome to the fruits of our gifts. We're welcome to the work, the work that produces it. And this is the thing when you come to twists and turns in the road, when the work does get hard, when things don't really seem like they're working out. I think you've got to sit with your problems. A lot of people get stuck in a story, and they don't quite know what's what's happening next, or Maybe the characters are rebelling. Maybe they've lost a bit of motivation or passion for telling the story. I think those are all good things. Those are things that you need to sit with. You need to sit with your problems and let them be. So rather than hitting the snooze button and whilst you're having problems and thinking it's all going to work out, get up and sit with them. I had a very tough session this morning where... I'm getting toward the end of the manuscript and I don't know if I want my character to do what she's done. It's a very uh, distinctly violent thing that she's done in this narrative and I was I was worried about it. I was like, is this too much? Is this out of character? How can I justify this? But then I remembered what tone I'm trying to set, what method, you know, what what world I'm trying to explore here with honesty. And then I remembered, okay, that's the original intention. I've got to honor that intention. I can't chicken out. <laughs> so this whole this whole session, this whole 90 minutes, I don't think I wrote more than 300 words. I don't think I edited more than, more than 500. And that's in terms of like, say, a production schedule, that's not a very productive day. And it would be easy to go, damn, I've missed out today. That's That sucks. And then you, you snowball from there. But I sat with my problem and I figured it out. And I think that's a good day. That's a bloody good day. So it sort of loops back around to the process, honoring the process. You'll have ups and you'll have downs and you'll have in-between days and you'll have days where you don't feel like doing something. You'll have days where you write 10,000 words if you have the time. Um, there are other days where you're right too, and those, those, that's okay as well. So sit with, sitting with your problems while still doing the work, I think, is, I don't know, it's, it's really worthwhile. And, and another thing I, I keep trying to, trying to articulate is that everything is a season. Writing itself is a season. So I feel right now, in a first draft, it's a creative season. It's an exciting season. It's when all the possibilities are open. But because those possibilities are open... 
that's where mistakes can be made or perceived mistakes can be made. Wrong turns can be made. Um, you can go off script. You can go off color. And that's also where an urge for perfectionism can come through. But the creative season needs to be wild and woolly and free. So if you're writing a first draft, if you're in that creative kind of season, just keep going. It doesn't matter how bad you think it's coming out. It doesn't matter. You can cut it. You can fix it in the edit. Resist that urge to, to be perfect. Whereas I'm in an editing frame of mind now. You know, I've, I've done probably four or five distinct drafts of this story. And now I'm in this ruthless perfectionist mindset where I am going after anything that doesn't, you know, anything that sounds like writing, anything that resembles um, a, a, a darling, I'm killing them. It is ruthless, and it's really, really nice to be able to finally let that son of a bitch editor out of my soul and into my fingers, because I've been holding that guy back. I've been holding that guy back because I know he'll kill the creativity. I know he'll smother the essential rebellion that writing a story takes. You need to be in a completely free state of mind, I think. And not listening to that, that inner voice telling you to hold back and telling you that this is wrong. Because so much of that is based on our own insecurities or our own resistance to the new ideas that are coming out of our minds. But if you can get out of your own way for that, save that stuff for later. But I call my editor a son of a bitch, but he's, <laughs> he's actually, he's, actually he, he's good because he's right. And I don't like him a lot of the time. I mean, I'm talking about myself the third person but i don't like him a lot of the time because he's right and i and I, I don't want to admit that he's right because it means i have to do more work that's just natural laziness but then you, you just do the work and you go yeah you were right about that and you keep going <laughs> it's a real insight into what goes on behind closed doors here isn't it uh so <laughs> i think it just depends on what season you're in um when you're lacking motivation or you're you're getting bogged down in your own bullshit I think you need to have a look at what stage am I actually at and what does my attitude need to be to keep this work process going? So if you're creating, if you're writing, if you're redrafting even, hold your nose and keep going. Hold back that perfectionist. If you're in an editing mode, yeah, that's when you need to be very sharp. That's when you need to be getting stuck into your writing and pulling it apart and asking those difficult questions. And believe me, the more you hold this back, the better your questions will be. And again, it's part of the process. If you honor, honor your feelings and your emotions and your instincts, and you can slot them into different parts of the writing process, you'll have a better time overall. So yeah, this is a bit of a strange chat in the sense that I'm really excited for, for people to discover the joy of the writing process and to just focus on writing writing this story, sitting in the moment, feeling that good feeling that comes from doing your work and going about your day and then doing it again and not getting bogged down in too much perfectionism and just keeping on going because, like I say, writing is something that's done without, almost without hope of reward. We all, we all, we all see the, the mountaintop in the, in, the, in, the, in the distance, but I think a better mountain to climb is instead of, published, which is a very binary thing completely out of your control, climb the mountain that says do the work, do the best possible work you can, because that's when 
you know, you get, you get real, really deep satisfaction from that. And I'll remember for the rest of my life how bloody good it felt when I reached the end of that, what turned out to be the penultimate draft of Locust Summer. And I read it and I went, wow, I did that. That's amazing. I did the work. That was a better feeling than, it really honestly was a better feeling than actually picking the book up on a shelf in a bookstore. Because I could feel, in the, the weight of its pages, I could feel the work. I could feel what the process that I had been through. And ultimately, when I look back on the experience of, of Locust, what I remember most fondly is doing the work. Day in, day out, doing the work without hope of reward and just enjoying the process. So if you're deep in it and you're feeling any way that I'm feeling, just remember, do the work. Follow the process because... In the end, that's the only thing that you have. Thank you for listening to this episode of Write Your Novel with David Allen Patali. If you loved what you heard, hit the subscribe button. You can follow me on socials at David Allen Patali. Don't forget, this podcast is about writing your novel. So make sure you drop any of your questions into the link in the show notes, and I'll make sure I answer it on the show. Until next time, happy writing. <laughs>